supposed to get nice and sunny, but we start the day off fully cloud covered. Yeah, it's going to be pretty thin clouds out there. In fact, most of the areas you look around and it's pretty much blue. Some directions, not so blue. But uh, pretty much just going to be blue skies today here in the Colville, Kettle Falls, Chewila area. Good morning. It is a Tuesday, second day of spring. Eric Carpenter with you. This is KCVL, KCRK, the Washington State Department of Transportation suspending their search for a missing 2006 Cessna T-182 Skyline. The plane piloted by Rod uh, Colin of... Uh, well, he's over in the Tacoma area. He departed the Tacoma Narrows Airport and uh, then went off radar abruptly just a few minutes later. Has not been seen or heard from since. They've been searching for that plane since March the 6th. Haven't been able to find any sign of that plane, so... They are suspending the search for that Tacoma pilot. They've been searching in the uh, Keats area, uh, some rugged forested area over on the coast. Uh, with the state legislature still in session, they've got a lot of bills that they are dealing with now, and they are getting into the nuts and bolts of the budget. Uh, let's get the word from Joel Kretz. Welcome to Capital Report. I'm John Satgast. My guest is 7th District State Representative Joel Kretz from Wakanda. Thanks for being with us on our program today. Thank you. We're heading into the last third of the legislative session. Not quite the home stretch, but still getting much closer. The focus is going to be on the state operating transportation and capital budgets. Until then, still lots of work to do. So what are some of the issues that you're hearing about out there right now? We're still hearing from people who've got questions about the long-term care program with the payroll tax on it. This is something that was passed a while back that the majority party passed. No Republicans voted for it. In 2019, almost 63% of the voters said that the bill should be repealed. The fact is the majority party punted this down the road. They delayed it. They said because of COVID, not so sure about that. But it's set to go into effect in July this year, and you'll start to see your paycheck decrease this summer. To fund a long-term care program that you may not want, may not need, and one that probably has the least amount of benefit for the price you're paying, it's just not a good investment. It ought to be repealed. It can't be fixed. We had a bill to repeal it, but it died. Folks want long-term care. They can go to the private market and get something that's tailored specifically for them, something that they'll use and something that'll benefit them. When the government gets involved in something this big, a payroll tax for long-term care, it rarely turns out good for taxpaying customers. What are you hearing about housing and homelessness issues? Uh, that continues to be a pretty big problem in our state. Well, you know, they're not making it any easier to build houses or get people into treatment to get the help they need. We're seeing legislation to ban natural gas and new construction, other rules being proposed on home construction that's just going to drive prices up and make housing less affordable. One good thing is House Bill 1245, which allows uh, splitting a lot under certain circumstances to create more parcels to build a house on. But we need to be making it easier, more affordable to build houses, not harder. And that's not what we're getting this year. The homelessness, 
you can't believe driving around Olympia, Lacey area, there's garbage and tents and tarps and cardboard shacks and wooden huts, leaving people on the streets like that, not forcing them to get off their addictions and seek help. How is that compassionate? The new compassion is free for all. Let anybody do what they want and damn the consequences, and it's just not working. It's sad. And finally, public safety, just very quickly, where are we on that? Bad bill passed. They've made it much more difficult to protect yourself with a firearm. State Representative Joel Kretz, thanks for being with us here on Capitol Report. In Olympia, this has been Capitol Report. Spring is here. The temperatures are rising outside and the prices are falling inside at Sandra's Furniture in Colville. Spring into savings with FlexSale reclining furniture up to 50% off. Plus, don't let inflation keep you from the furniture of your dreams. Saunders Furniture has up to 12 months special financing with 0% interest and $0 down on approved credit. Spring into savings at Saunders Furniture, downtown Colville. Okay, Joel Kretz talking a little bit about housing and other issues there. There is a bill... It is coming up for a hearing. Let me make sure the make sure I got the date right. It is coming up for a hearing tomorrow. I would encourage you to send the email over to our legislators. This this bill is another first-in-the-nation legislation. We have a lot of that in Washington State anymore. First-in-the-nation legislation to address the history of housing discrimination. Of course, you go back, you've, you've got to go back to 1968 and 69 to deal with this housing discrimination they're talking about. But because back in the 60s and 50s, there was discrimination, the bill would make, they would add on another $100 for every document that you have to record with the... Uh, county it is the house bill is 1474 they call it a covenant home ownership account and program it would provide down payment and closing cost assistance to people identified in the home ownership program study uh, this the, the the first funding for this would be in 2024. This because uh, it, it, people that were impacted by restrictive real estate laws. So if you are a first-time home buyer and you have income limitations and and you are a minority, you would get money from the state to buy a house. And everyone who has to record a document would be charged an extra $100. 
The bill has passed the House of Representatives. It was a 53 to 43 vote. They figure it will generate almost $200 million a year. According to uh, Jamila Taylor from Federal Way, a Democrat, prime sponsor of the bill, that it is an important bill for our community. Home ownership is an economic cornerstone of American society, and it just has not always been available to everyone. Of course, what is bringing this on is restrictive real estate covenants that prohibited people of certain races, religions, and from buying and owning homes, but of course that was all prohibited in 1968 and 69. Haven't had any of these discrimination laws anymore since the, you know, 60s. That uh, they say this would be a step in the right direction to make things right. They say that um, 68% of whites own their own homes, 31% of blacks own their own homes. They say this bill will widen the gate. They say that the House, the Bill 1474 gives the House a chance to right the wrongs by imposing a fee and directing the resulting revenue into a housing fund for black and brown Washingtonians. The amazing thing to me is the government affairs director for the Washington State Realtors is also championing this bill on behalf of himself and the organization he represents. He says it's appropriate for the legislature to look at the historical barriers that have been put in place that have prevented home ownership. Okay. What they're talking about hasn't existed since the 60s. Yet we're going to penalize anybody and everybody that has... anything they have to record with a $100 tax. Uh, this bill is coming up in the Senate uh, tomorrow. Still time. If it is of concern to you that they want to put an extra $100 tax just because we had covenants on land subdivisions back in the 60s that... Uh, they were done away with in the 60s. 
the people that will get the money from this program weren't even around in the 60s. But that's the way our government is right now. If it's of a concern, get a hold of your legislature. If it's not, don't. But uh, just thought you should be aware of it. Looking for a little comfort in your life? Call the expert, your carrier dealer. Carrier dealers are the authorities at getting peak performance from your heating and cooling system. So call your carrier dealer first. He has ways of making you very comfortable. Carrier, turn to the experts at ABC Heating and Electric in Colville at 411 West 2nd. Or call Deb for an appointment at 684-2018 or go to abc-heating.com. All right, second installment of the uh, presentation that Fish and Wildlife is going to be making Thursday at the Ag Trade Center. We want you to know what they're talking about so that you can ask appropriate questions. That's going to be down at the Ag Trade Center Thursday. Here's more with Bill Baker. That's how wild-caught larvae are collected. This work is conducted by the Spokane and Colville tribes. Then they bring the larvae back to the WDFW Sherman Creek Fish Hatchery for rearing. They use large D-ring drift nets fish near the bottom. Larval sturgeon hide during the day, but drift with the current to disperse at night and are captured in the nets, which also catch a lot of other debris. The larvae are sorted out and placed in containers, then transported back to the hatchery. We have fish originating from both Canada and the U.S. DGT means direct gamete take. That is, fish produced from eggs and milt obtained from adult broodstock, which were captured and brought back to the hatchery for spawning. The others, the Canadian wild and USWCL, refer to wild-caught eggs and larvae used in later years. In the early years, the Canadians released a lot of direct gamete take fish. Here on the U.S. side, our stocking program consisted of about 4,000 fish annually through 2010. And these fish represented a very limited number of parents. They also experienced far higher survival than anticipated, something like 86% for the first year, then about 98% each year thereafter. Because of that high survival, many of the hatchery direct gamete take year classes were more abundant than the entire adult population. And because of their limited genetics, we realized that as these fish aged toward maturity, they represented a genetic risk to the wild population, something we refer to as genetic swamping. To avoid that occurring, we reopened the Lake Roosevelt sturgeon fishery in 2017 and focused harvest on those year classes of fish. And the fishery was very well attended. People came out of the woodwork to fish that first year and a lot of fish were harvested, which was good since that was the goal. Estimated sturgeon harvest in Lake Roosevelt from 2017 through 2021 using two methods, catch record cards and the Lake Roosevelt Creel Survey. In 2017, we estimate that somewhere around 2,500 to 3,500 or so sturgeon were harvested. And at that point, we knew that we had sufficient fishing power to reduce those overrepresented fish. So the following year, we tightened the slot limit to 53 to 63 inches in order to focus harvest on those fish which were closest to sexual maturity and therefore represented the greatest immediate genetic risk. We maintained that for a couple of years and saw a modest harvest of 250 to 500 or so sturgeon in 2018 and 2019. 
In 2020, we loosened the slot just a bit to 50 to 63 inches, and we've maintained that through 2022. In those years, we've seen similar effort in harvest. To date, there have been approximately four to 5,000 sturgeon harvested in the recreational fishery in Lake Roosevelt, which has resulted in a substantial reduction over represented year classes and family equalization, a report put together by our Canadian counterparts, which reached that conclusion. I won't go into the details of it except to say that the broad scale conclusion was that the risk of genetic swamping was avoided. So kudos to our angling base, which solved what could have been a major problem. But now the wild caught larvae. As I mentioned earlier, the US program transitioned wild caught larvae in 2011 after we reared and released a small pilot group in 2010. But we had some initial growing pains. Remember, these are wild fish, which had to be trained onto hatchery feed. And for the first few years of releases, we did not have sufficient hatchery infrastructure to rear these fish to the same size at release as the previous direct gamete tape fish. The size at release is a key factor in survival. Generally speaking, the larger, the better. All right, we're going to be hearing a little bit more tomorrow. A recap of some of what this fishery looks like. And again, changes. Changes in the time of the year. And and uh, all to do with sturgeon. That coming up uh, Thursday. Sturgeon certainly have uh, <laughs> been a very popular fishery. If you're a private landowner in the Colville Valley, Vaughan Brothers Lumber, a longtime local business and employer in the area, is ready to offer competitive prices and fair market value to purchase your standing timber, logs, or timbered acreage. The experienced forestry staff at Vaughan Brothers offers free consultations and assessments of your forested land and can also assist in the Department of Natural Resource permitting process when you are ready to harvest your timber. Call the forestry staff today at 509-684-5071 or look for additional information on the web at www.vaughanbrothers.com. Hey, yesterday, I did forget to mention uh, Eastern Washington University. Uh, they lost on Sunday. Uh, Oklahoma State, number one seed at the uh, NIT tourney. Oklahoma State over Eastern, 71 to 60. So that takes Eastern out of the NIT tourney. Coming up uh, tomorrow, we're going to have softball on the radio, Colville Softball. And uh, for baseball, if you are a local high school baseball fan, well, there's going to be new look up at the field. The scoreboards have had an upgrade. There is a new rule for the pitch counts. And uh, here's some more information on the new rule, some of the other factors of baseball, and about the new scoreboards.
My name is Blake Shortall. I'm the athletic director of Cabo High School. We have many new scoreboards in our district. Back in 1993, when our school was built, we had our football scoreboards installed as well as our basketball scoreboards. And so those have been upgraded. And what we found out was that we can't get the proper lights or any type of parts when those start to break. And so we've been stealing and robbing from other scoreboards within our district to try to get certain scoreboards up for the appropriate seasons. And so being able to upgrade has been really nice. As of recently, we upgraded our baseball and softball scoreboard with the help of Boggin Lumbers. So these scoreboards, They're pretty intuitive. They're all LED. They're all wireless as well. So that was another issue that we had at our baseball field is that the hardwire system failed on us. And so for the past baseball season, we had to run a thousand foot cord from our scoreboard to our control panel before every game and then roll it up after every game. And so these new scoreboards are able to just connect wirelessly so that we can control that scoreboard from anywhere on our field, which has been really nice. So with the new baseball rules that have came into effect the last couple of years is that pitchers are no longer on an inning limitation. They are now on a pitch count basis. And so that's been kind of a struggle across the state is how to manage that. And both teams count pitches. And if a pitcher goes over a certain amount of pitches, then that could be deemed as an ineligible player. And so what we did at our baseball field is we added pitch counts to the scoreboard. So now if you show up to a baseball game, you'll be able to see whoever is pitching at that time, you'll be able to see how many pitches they've thrown. It not only helps from a player and coach perspective of knowing where pitchers are at and how they want to approach each game or inning, but also spectators are aware of the pitch counts and they have a little bit better idea. It's just one more element of the game that fans will be able to tune into and be aware of, especially a big part of that is strategy and how coaches and players approach what the pitch count limits are for each player. So it'll be really interesting and fun to be able to watch as a spectator and see players and their pitch counts. There is no clock management at high school baseball level. The one that's just the biggest emphasis is pitch counts and making sure that our high school athletes' arms are not used and abused. And so if we go back to the era of innings pitched is it it was not uncommon for a pitcher to throw 180 to 200 pitches in a day. And now that limitation is a pitcher cannot throw more than 105 pitches in a day. And if they do hit over 76 pitches, they have a three-day rest period before they can go back on the mound and pitch again. So that would be the biggest emphasis from NFHS rules and the WIAA emphasis. And so having accurate pitch counts is really, really important because there's a big difference between 75 pitches and 76 pitches from a rule standpoint and days of rest. All right. Scoreboards and pitch counts and baseball season be coming up. And we've got softball on the radio tomorrow afternoon. Colville Freeman at about 4 o'clock. That'll be on KCVL. A look at today's local weather forecast brought to you by the R.E. Lee Shoe Company. They're celebrating the spring Dansko days, three days only, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Any Dansko store-wide, 15% off, and a gift with the purchase. Enjoy Dansko days at the R.E. Lee Shoe Company, first in Maine, right downtown Colville. Sunshine, 55 degrees for a high today, 26 overnight, sunny and 58 tomorrow. 
Oh, midday. 11 o'clock, noon, right in there. About a uh, good chance of rain tomorrow. 47 for the high Thursday. Uh, tomorrow going to be sunny and 58. Rain likely Thursday night might turn to some snow. Could even get a half inch of snow. It'll melt off pretty quick. But uh, rain and then snow Thursday night. Snow early Friday turning to rain. 44 the high Friday 45 on Saturday, there is a possibility of some snow showers and rain on Saturday. Rain and snow Sunday and rain and snow on Monday. It's going to be cooler than it's been the last few days. 48 the high on Monday. Stop in this week. Three days only, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Dance go days at the R.E. Lee Shoe Company. Beautiful blue skies, few clouds out there, but uh, going to be pretty much blue today. Uh, it's going to be a while till we get to freezing. <laughs> it is still only 26 degrees at the radio station. It's Tuesday, second day of spring. Eric Carpenter with you on KCVL, KCRK.